Hello, friends. Greg Kokel here. I'm your host for the show. The show is called Stand to Reason. And I have a little treat for somebody here. Um, I have written this book called The Story of Reality. Zondervan published it. And there's on occasion there are requests from other countries to have the book uh, translated into another language. And I received a package of five books. Uh, the story of reality in a language I don't read, um, and that language is Czech. Now, in a way, this is kind of interesting since uh, people ask me about my last name, and they say, well, where's that, or what ethnicity is that name, and I give them a chance to guess, and only one person in my experience has ever hit the nail on the head that is identified my actual ethnicity. But some have identified the country that uh, is now the area where my ethnicity is from. And uh, strictly speaking, my forebears are from Prague, and that is central Bohemia. So I am Bohemian, um, or Chesky, if you like. And so here's a book now in Czech. It's called The Story of Reality. And I have five copies, and I... I <laughs> They've been sitting on the floor of my study here for a month or so, and I I didn't know what to do with them, uh, since I know no Chesky-speaking folk that would be interested in this book. But it occurred to me that maybe some one of you uh, do know uh, Czech-speaking people that would be interested in this book. So um, I'm very happy to let you have them if you contact us and ask for one or all, if you have a reasonable expectation, you could distribute all of all five of them to someone, and we'll ship them out to you at our cost, not a problem. Uh, you can contact us at 1-800, the number two, and the word reason during um, office hours, and uh, someone will take your call and arrange for shipment um, of one, two, three, four, or five, or whatever happens to be left. Okay, so that's, there you go, that's kind of fun. Um, and uh, the publisher is uh, 360 Degrees Rethink, is what the name of the publisher is, which I'm telling you, this is a very high-quality paperback. <laughs> it looks it looks actually better than the one that that we have here. It's interesting that the rethink is in the name of the publishers because that's what we used to call reality, which we just completed in Philly to a, another sold-out crowd, and it was wonderful being there and once again hearing the enterprise, the uh, rather the, uh, the the whole series, all the speakers, especially the Friday night uh, reality show, and uh, we have one reality left. That's Augusta on April twenty-first and twenty-second. Uh, plenty of room there. If you want to sign up, just simply go to realityapologetics.com. Like I've said in the past, this is a unique compared to any other reality that we've ever had. This one, I think, is the best. And uh, and I, I I don't I don't think I say that every year, but this one stands head and shoulders above the rest because of the particular way they're handling the instruction on Saturday on Friday night rather with the uh, reality show the um, sat, the Friday night reality show. And I, I won't, uh, no spoilers here. I won't uh, show my hand. I'm going to breast my cards here, but you won't be disappointed. So if you're within striking distance of Augusta, 
And even if not, come anyway. The longest um, traveler, I should say the individual traveled the furthest, or the farthest, or the furthest, in this last reality, came from South Korea. An American uh, airman uh, stationed in South Korea decided to take his holiday, his leave, by flying back to the States and coming to our event. And I specified, did you just happen to be back here from South Korea, or did you fly back for the event? He said, I flew back for the event. So, I mean, people fly from all over. We had, uh, you know, the states that I counted, they were as far away as Michigan, driving to Philly, eight and a half hours on the road. We also had, uh, I think, uh, Ohio, five and a half hours on the road, and, uh, of course, lots of states kind of around the Pennsylvania area, Maryland, and New Jersey, and Connecticut, and New York, and um, Virginia. Uh, so it was a, it was a great group of people. Uh, once again, April twenty first and twenty second, Augusta, Georgia. Um, go to realityapologetics.com for all the in, in information. Now, I I am a bit sobered today for a number of reasons, but one of them is the news that I received, as many of you are aware of, of the shootings, another set of shootings of uh, in a school where both adults and children were killed. This is a school in the Nashville area, and as I understand it now, there were three adults in their 60s that were murdered and three children around nine years of age that were murdered. The murderer, again, as I understand it, was shot by the police and is also dead. So six homicides, seven fatalities. And um, what's unique about this particular incident, and therefore creating a unique response, and when I say unique, I don't mean necessarily good, I certainly don't mean that in this case. But what was unique about this particular school shooting was that this was a Christian school. And, uh, in fact, one of the kids that was murdered uh, was the pastor's child, I think son. And the one who was the killer, was it a daughter? Okay, daughter. The one who was the killer was a transgender male. It's a biological woman, transgender male. Now, I don't usually like talking about these things because part of me says, what's to say? This is tragic. And, um, I mean, there could be discussions about gun control or gun availability, uh, the wisdom of signs on schoolyards that say gun-free zone, which that wasn't the case as far as I know with regards to this school. Um, there be discussions about you know, mental health of the individuals that perpetrate these things, the climactic circumstances, cultural climate, that may lend itself to these kinds of things. And frankly, I, I don't know what to say about most of that. I have convictions about about guns and uh, just a simple observation. I want to cause a lot of trouble, but it's just something to think about. 
is that uh, gun violence like that is almost always stopped by another gun, either the assailant's own gun in a suicide or um, a policeman's gun or some other citizen who is armed who takes action to take out the shooter. You guys could just think about that. But uh, most of the time, I don't even talk about it because all these other details are very, very hard to assess. The psychological state of the shooter, what was going on. I know most people like to make political statements about these things, which I, I think generally is, is not wise because it's hard to draw conclusions about those kinds of things from acts of violence like this, unless, unless the shooter is on record in a very particular way regarding motives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I just bypass this. I figure everybody else is talking about it, and it gets talked to death. But like I said, this situation is unique, and it's unique because the the object of the shooting was a Christian school. The subjects of the shooter. Uh, the shooter's malicious actions were Christian adults and children, and the shooter, which generally speaking is it would be irrelevant to me, is a transgendered male, meaning a biological female. I, I actually don't care about that. It's not relevant to me. Uh, but it is relevant to some people. And I want to read something to you uh, that I think is alarming in virtue of what it says about a section of our society and our culture. Um, and the, my first time through this, it was a bit of a jaw-dropper, and I thought, I don't need to make any commentary at all about this. I just need to read it. And the problem with it is self-evident. Now, having gone through it a second time, um, and giving it a harder look, I might end up saying some things. But I do think that the content is self-explanatory about the concern that I have. This was a uh, media statement delivered March 27th. No, I'm sorry. It's a media statement regarding the March 27th, 2023 school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a uh, news release from the Trans Resistance Network. And the Trans Resistance Network, self-identified here on the news release, is a collective of experienced organizers, committed allies, and concerned groups who are coming together for the long-term survival and well-being of gender-diverse people in a more extreme environment. And the implication is that these gender-diverse people are in an extreme, a more extreme environment, or many of them are, and so this group, the Trans Resistance Network, is meant to help them uh, in that environment. All right? So let me just read it for you. The Trans Resistance Network has been notified the shooter involved in today's church school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee, was a person identifying as transgender, known from online profiles as Aiden or Aubrey Hale, he, him, in parentheses here. In other words, that's 
that individuals preferred pronouns. While it's not our policy to engage publicly with news media, we believe this moment calls for a thoughtful response from our collective. We point out that today's incident in Nashville, Tennessee, is not one tragedy, but two. The first tragedy today is the loss of the life of three children and adults. We extend our deepest sympathies and heartfelt prayers to those families dealing with the loss of loved ones. There is nothing we can offer that will comfort the hurt or ease the sorrow we mourn with you. That paragraph, by the way, is 51 words, for the record. I continue. The second and more complex tragedy is that Aiden, or Aubrey, Aubrey Hale, um, now remember this person who is identified as being a victim of tragedy is the shooter who just murdered three children and three adults. The second and more complex tragedy is that Aiden or Aubrey Hale, who felt he had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the life of others and by consequence himself. Now, the consequence is the police shot him, that's my understanding. Her, I'm sorry. See, I'm following the pronouns that they're using, which is the gender preferred pronouns there. My, my, my accident continues. We do not claim to know the individual. Let me, you know, I, I just have to pause here. We do not claim to know the individual or have access to their inner thoughts and feelings. Okay. Didn't they just write is that Aubrey Hale felt he had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the life of others? And then the next sentence, we do not claim to know the individual or have access to their inner thoughts and feelings. Okay, make that with that what you like. Continue. We do know that life for transgender people is very difficult and made more difficult in the preceding months by a virtual avalanche of anti-trans legislation and public callouts by right-wing personalities and political figures for nothing less than the genocidal eradication of trans people from society. Just think about those words. The charge. Many transgender people deal with anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, and PTSD from the near-constant drumbeat of anti-trans hate. Lack of acceptance from family members and certain religious institutions, denial of our existence, and calls for detransition and forced conversion. Now, uh, I, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to take each sentence or each phrase apart and say, is this true? What reason do we have to think these are true? I mean, you guys have your own experience in this culture with this kind of thing, and you could judge for yourself whether you think this is actually an accurate characterization. I continue. All of these factors contribute to a population that is medically underserved and who often face anti-trans bias while accessing care 
leading to significant physical and mental health disparities. Hate has its consequences. It is a testament, a testament to the inner strength and beauty of transgender people that despite the overwhelming odds of homelessness, job discrimination, and constant anti-trans bigotry and violence, that so many of us continue to persevere, survive, and even thrive. We will not be eradicated or erased. Final paragraph, we remind the news media to respect the self-identified pronouns of transgender individuals who come across your desk. Aiden Hale self-identified with he, him pronouns on forward-facing sites. I think that means progressive sites, I'm not sure, but in any event, we also urge you to avoid pandering to those individuals on the right who will use this double tragedy to torment fear, I think they meant foment fear, but here it says torment fear and terror of transgender people in order to advance a political agenda of transgender elimination. Biased and sensationalized coverage of these viewpoints is both irresponsible and reprehensible. Now, I guess you could decide for yourself. That's the end of the piece. You can decide for yourself whether this particular news release is in any sense biased um, and meant to advance a political agenda regarding transgender people. You can decide for yourself whether it seems sensationalized or not, and if so, if it's irresponsible and reprehensible. I will say this, though. Mention I, I said 51 words. I didn't count the words of the rest of the piece. 51 words of condolence, and that's one three-line paragraph. Then one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs. of the rest that I read, which it's, 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 hard, it's hard not to take, in some sense, as a veiled um, ju- justification for what happened. I honestly don't know how anyone could read this piece and also except at face value the extended deepest sympathies and heartfelt prayers for the families who have lost their loved ones and that these folks mourn these folks responsible for these mourn i i i don't believe that especially when it's so obvious to me that this was an opportunity uh, taken by this group to advance a cause with very um, forceful rhetoric and obvious distortion of the facts to make a point, trading on this terrible tragedy. Now, sometimes I think the legitimate points can be made, 
But the irony is, is all of this is a matter is 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 all of this response is kind of presuming this tormented individual who did the killing was tormented in light of the cultural circumstances that are as the Trans Resistance Network describes them to be. Uh, from my perspective, I think it's you can't hardly hear a peep in public that is contrary to the trans movement. If you misgender, you can lose your job. The cacophony is coming from all on one side, and it's not from the right on this issue. When an abortion clinic got bombed or an abortionist got killed, which almost never happens, it's pretty amazing in light of what pro-lifers think is happening in those clinics, that every day children are being murdered. It's amazing how little violence there has been in light of that conviction. Nevertheless, when that happens, every pro-life organization is hounded to give an unqualified condemnation of such an action, as if the pro-life groups may be in favor of that, as if they're not given a, you know, the, a charitable expectation that the pro-lifers have, since they're trying to defend life, think it's wrong to take the life of the abortionist. Nevertheless, this is what's required, unqualified condemnation. Okay, so now, the, now things are reversed. Now it's Christians that are being murdered. And because it's a trans person that murdered them, it must be because of the anguish the trans person experienced living in a culture where there are people who disagree with them and won't accede to the legitimacy of their view. And uh, I guess my question is, what does this tell you about the culture? This isn't everybody on the—this tr trans resistance network doesn't represent anybody but them. Don't know how big their numbers are. But that something like this could be published as a news release in light of what happened yesterday? This is not a defense. Yeah, it's terrible. We went with the people, but after all, I mean, please look at how trans people are so brutalized in this country. Sooner or later, somebody's going to pop. You know, when I hear things like that, and that's implicit in this whole statement, I, <laughs> I, I wonder why aren't more Christians killing themselves? Because the group that gets the most verbal assault in this culture, at least from the from the gatekeepers, I mean, I'm not counting every slur that goes down, but um, there certainly is no sensitivity to using God's name in a vulgar way or Jesus' name in a vulgar way across the board. If you include all that, the group that gets the most heat, so to speak, are the Christians. 
much more than anyone else, certainly than trans. Christians aren't going out of their way to make things hard on trans people. They allow people to have their own views. They are just asking to be allowed to have their own. That's it. But there is also a move to protect athletes who are unfairly discriminated against. Those athletes would be women who are competed against by men, male bodies, whose gender identity is female. It's irrelevant what they identify as. The fairness has to do with their bodily capability. There's a reason why we have female sports and male sports. It has nothing to do with gender identity. It has to do with physical bodies. So there's been legislation passed about that, but that's to protect women, principally, who are athletes and work hard in their life to be good athletes and to be recognized for that. And then some second-rate male athlete identifies as a woman and, and then wipes, wipes out all the female competition? That's not just. Where's the justice? So there's legislation about that. There's legislation that's been passed that says, you know, <laughs> you can't promote um, transgender surgeries with people who are minors. They're not old enough to make this decision. You can't give them the liberty to do that. When they turn 18, fine. So is this this genocidal legislation? It's just another evidence of, uh, and I'm not whining or crying, I'm just observing. Um, the, the Christians are looming, lar- faithful Christians, biblical Christians, are looming larger and larger in the sights of the culture. And I just realized I didn't do it on purpose, but there's an odd literalism to that. Because these six people were in the gun sights of a killer yesterday who murdered them. Why? I I don't know what's going to come out, but uh, it's clear that the Trans Resistance Network is doing its level-headed best to give you their take on it. In fact, they state it, even though they acknowledge they don't know the individual or what their inner thoughts were. We do know that I'm sorry. Um, though they acknowledge they don't know the inner thoughts, I'm checking the, the the wording again. Aubrey Hale apparently felt. They don't even say apparently. The second and more complex tragedy is that Aubrey Hale felt he had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the life of others and by consequence himself. They even they even sanitize that by consequence. In other words, while he's killing, murdering kids and adults, the cops take—I said him again, because that's what they're using—her out. It was a woman, a biological woman. What does this tell you about what we're in for? 
It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Be interesting to see how the rest of the world responds. Maybe the Trans Resistance Network is an outlier. That would be great. I hope that's the case. I don't think it will be. I think there are going to be other examples about this. If not formal statements like this, innuendo, suggestions, well, that's tragic, but by the way, if you guys have been nicer, maybe she wouldn't have shot you. All right, let's take a break. Coming to calls after this on Standard Reason. Have you seen our brand new website? Stop by str.org and enjoy a fresh, clean layout with all the same great content. The new Standard Reason website was designed with you in mind. It has an easier-than-ever navigation and a crisp, simple layout so you can find all the sound analysis and careful commentary that you've come to expect from us. Browse new features that make finding your favorite resources easier than ever. As always, it's our goal to equip you, our fellow Christians, with a confidence, clear thinking, and courage you need for every encounter you have as a Christian ambassador. Our new website is just one way we're fulfilling that goal, allowing you to access the resources you need in a new and improved way. So visit str.org and keep coming back to discover new podcasts, articles, and videos each and every day. Do you have a passion to train people in apologetics, but you don't know where to start? You may be interested in starting an STR Outpost. STR Outposts are local communities of Christians seeking answers to the hard questions about Christianity. Each outpost is led by a qualified director who trains others with STR content and curriculum in their local church. By becoming an outpost director, you will be equipped with the content and coaching you need to lead your own outpost. We currently have more than 60 outposts across the country, and we're adding more each month. If you're interested in learning more about starting an outpost, or you want to find a current outpost in your area, visit str.org outposts. You can also email me, Robbie Lashua, at outposts at str.org. All right, um, I'm just looking at this statement again. Uh, I counted the lines, not the words. Three lines of of consolation and 20 lines of de facto justification. And at the very bottom it says, requests for interviews will will be referred back to this statement. Requests for interviews will be referred back to this statement. Oh, you want to talk about it? Read the statement. We're not going to discuss it any further. So any attempt in an interactive way to verify the kinds of claims that were made in this statement, we're not going to do that. That's what they're saying. All right, well, it's their privilege, right, whatever. Uh, Before we get to calls, just uh, wanted to let you know that there's a new SCRU course that's coming out March 31st. That's in a couple of days uh, for me. And the course is taught by Mr. B, and it's titled, Are Science and Faith Compatible? And uh, he's going to answer, Tim Barnett will, uh, in this five-part course, um, 
that you know that challenge and uh and also make the point that studying the natural world can actually draw you to God and strengthen your confidence in him. Uh, you can go to str.org or just go to training.str.org. That'll take you right to the site. If you go to the website, uh, the web, the home page in the upper right-hand corner, I think, is the icon that you can click for STRU. Um, a reminder in Augusta, Georgia, our last reality of this season, April 21st and 22nd. Sign up at realityapologetics.com. Alan and Tim will be speaking this weekend at the Equip Youth Conference Friday, March 31st and through April 1st. So that's Friday, Saturday, I guess. That's in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. So uh, you get uh, (laughs) two birds with one stone at that event, and odd birds they are, but it's going to be a great conference. Barrie, the Equip Youth Conference in Barrie, Ontario. Alan will also be speaking at Redeemer Bible Church in Spotsylvania, Virginia, on Friday and Saturday, April 14 and 15. And Tim will be at Mount Airy Bible Church in Mount Airy, Maryland, on Saturday and Sunday, April 29th and 30. By the way, I've been to that church before, teaching conferences. Great. Um, and then he's going to visit Calvary Chapel Olympia in Olympia, Washington, on Wednesday, May 3rd. Um, one last note. Amy Hall will be doing a live Q&A on STR's Facebook um, on our page there on Wednesday, May 3rd at 1 p.m. So that's still about six weeks out, but uh, put it on your calendar. Everybody likes talking to Amy. She has great insight. Many of you know that um, because of you, your listening to hashtag STRask. Okay, let's go to uh, Toronto, Canada, down at the bottom, right? Is that right, Amy? That's the first one. Yeah, okay. We're going to go to Timothy in Toronto, Canada. Tim. Good good day, Greg. Hey. It's been a while. Yes. Is my buddy Tim? It is. The fisherman. It is. Nice talking to you. Yeah. So I was sitting in a, a in an elders meeting this week, and we were doing corporate prayer, and I, and I realized, I'm going to say it, you know, Punch in punch the nose kind of way. <laughs> that STR and Greg Kokel has ruined corporate prayer for me. <laughs> because <laughs> oh. because I, I was trying to, you know, become, uh, really get in there. And, and every second person would say something that just triggers something I've learned from STR and my friend Greg. And, and it just gets my mind spinning. Is this one of those hills to die on to ever bring it up with them or just let it go? And my mind cons- consistently gets pulled off track uh-huh. what we're trying to do there. And I just, and I realized that that actually happens a lot. It was, that was just the moment where it struck yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I realized this is, this, this happens all the time. I, I don't enjoy corporate prayer because mm. I know I'm going to hear these things. And, um, anyway, I just thought maybe you had something to. Well, I do. And, um, as it turns out, I think Amy told you, we actually dealt with your question on hashtag STRS this morning. So it'll come out later and where we both kind of give our input, but I'm happy to respond. This is a little different audience and, uh, and, and talk, uh, about this concern. And this is something we've heard before, okay? Um, we've heard uh, because people will say, and it's not just about prayer, it's about 
theological things and or or thinking carefully about what the Bible says and and practicing the habit of never reading a Bible verse so you take the context into consideration when you're making your decision about what the author intended to mean and um, when you gain those skills you end up going to sermons church services listening to pastors teachers radio shows whatever it happens to be and you're aware of all the problems and it's it's annoying now of course you could ask yourself in 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 the in the area of preaching and stuff like that um taking verses out of context and getting the wrong understanding of them that's a little bit more serious than just mentioning verses inappropriately during prayer but having a prayer that still is a good prayer okay so that's just kind of annoying but the other it can it can be dangerous because it teaches not only is the content that's being preached as God's word no longer God's word when it's mischaracterized uh, just like your word or my word Tim would not be really our words if people um, abuse them or make them sound like they mean something else that's not we're not the author of that idea okay so that's a problem and it's also a problem if they model that behavior before their people you know then their people get in the bad habit of doing that too but in the case of prayer it's just kind of annoying but it's also annoying when I hear people pray and every other word is just and they use God's name like a punctuation mark and uh, Jesus and God and Father and sometimes they they even double up on the word Father Father they do that way because they got to throw the punctuation mark in, and then they're addressing God and so they say Father Father well that's annoying too but the prayer is a genuine prayer and an honorable one other than the fact even though it's a bit annoying to listen to and so what I have tried to do for myself is just overlook those things just look past those things and um, and not fuss about them when they're not weighty issues uh, someone might say okay glad Lord I'm, I'm thank you that wherever two or three are gathered here you are in 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 our midst to, and we're going to agree, so you answer the prayer. And they're citing this passage from Matthew, what, 18 or whatever, and and uh, and, it, and they're misusing it because Jesus wasn't talking about group prayer. He was talking about discipline in the church. And so, um, although it does explain something for me, Tim, I wonder why I don't get my prayers answered when I'm praying by myself. And now I realize it's because Jesus isn't here with me. He's over with that other group of two or three people. He's out there. He's not here, you know. <laughs> which is kind of a silly application of the notion, shows how uh, inappropriate the concept is when you apply it that way. But the point, I think you mentioned about hill to die on, and I I agree that this, especially in group prayer, it's probably not one of them. Even with pastors, you know, making mistakes, if you don't have a a in with the pastor or an opportunity to speak with the pastor, um, generally you don't, you know, you just let it ride. Now, in my daughter's school, there was uh, something being taught in her Bible class. There were two things being taught. I thought that they're really problematic, and they were being taught to my daughter. And so I had to talk with my daughter and say, these two things are not sound, honey. And then I went to the headmaster, and I said, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. I'm just letting you know. But then I quizzed the headmaster about, in this case, the book of Hebrews, and is it your understanding this, yes, and this, yes, and this, okay, so we both agree on this. Oh, okay. So this is what was taught, which was a contrary to what we both 
agreed on, and the thing was important. You know, so so I didn't just blurt it all out. I tried to be a little cagey the way I expressed it. And then I said, look, it, I got my hat in my hand here. I'm not your boss. I'm not telling you how to run your school. But I am expressing a concern here, and I'll just leave it with you. You can do what you think is best. And uh, so I respected his leadership. That's the way to do that if you actually have to talk to a pastor or a leader about some concern. But um, that can backfire easily if you're not careful. Um, probably in most cases, it's just better to be, you know, tolerant, I guess, in the classical sense of the word, and let it ride, and then eat the meat and throw away the bones, all right? Just disregard the psychobabble, the religious psychobabble, or the verses that are cited that really don't apply, you know, but the heart of the prayer could still be entirely genuine, unless they're claiming a promise that isn't theirs. And then, if they're claiming a promise that isn't theirs, well, they don't get what they're claiming, because it's not their promise. So they basically wasted their breath, but there's no need, probably, to correct them, unless you think that you have an opportunity that will uh, will be respected, opportunity to speak, where your idea will be respected. And this is, and this is something Amy talked quite a bit about in the response in hashtag STRask. And you'll hear more than when you when you listen to that, um, Tim. But uh, we all have different gifts, and uh, it maybe their gift is such that it doesn't, and their and their education, whatever, is such that they are naive regarding the misuse of the verse. <clears throat> and someone like yourself with better training might be in a position to carefully and graciously um, lift them up in correction to help them out with an attitude of service, not an attitude of, you know, you, you idiot, you got it wrong, here's the right answer, I got the right answer. So um, that there's an opportunity for that, but again, that needs to be carefully handled, um, because some people are not that teachable, or they don't have the ego strength to be disagreed with, or something like that, I don't know. So um, I guess the simple answer is, most of that you let go, and then you try not to be internally critical of it, and you eat the meat and throw away the bones. Maybe you'll have an opportunity to help a person understand the truth a little bit more accurately, but you must tread softly when you do that, either with a, a regular folk or leadership. There are liabilities in both cases. So what do you think? Well, that's what, I have been do- that's what I have been doing. Uh, yeah, this one kind of spurred me because of it. We're doing. We have some important things to do. We're searching for a pastor, and, mm. and we, people were asking God to work and do things in ways that you know. I'm the student of this decision making stuff. And, oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just there. You know, we're asking God to do things in a way that He really doesn't do things very often. And, yeah. Well, uh, so just, well, what if that's the way they're looking for the pastor? God give us a hint at least. Then they might take a hint that's not a hint, and then make a bad choice. So um, I don't know what your relationship with the leadership is, but you might you might say something like, maybe we should be asking what kind of spiritual qualifications this pastor has, looking for a person with A, B, C, D, whatever scriptural qualifications are there. Now, if you can have that impact on them, and then they look for those qualifications, they may just interpret the process of looking 
using those biblical qualifications as the way God is trying to tell them who he wants to be on their team as a pastor. Uh, okay, well, there's still confusion there, but at least the confusion is managed, and they're applying biblical criteria regarding that decision. Don't know, you know, um, but uh, I know <laughs> it is My frustrating. My guess is they're going to... My guess is they're going to talk this way and pray this way, and then we're going to do it exactly the way you talk about it in decision-making, and we'll do it as a group of mature, uh, wise elders of a church. You know, it's just funny that we have to go... Yeah, I know. That, that's, it's the window dressing with this other thing that that, yeah. uh, that uh, um, makes it sound more legitimate. Well, we want your will. We want the one you chose for us, and that presumes that God is doing the choosing independently. And it also assumes something else, of course, you know this, that we have to figure out what God has chosen so that we can choose. And uh, then we kind of follow the hints when I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I know you do too. But but that doesn't mean that he is going to tell you what his sovereign purpose is. We are the ones that have to make the decisions, and and then he gives us criterion by, uh, that, criteria that will allow us to do that. And especially when it comes to church leadership, that's pretty important. Okay, thanks. So yeah, two things. I'm, I'm going to go up and see those guys in Barrie this week. And oh, okay. Father, and and my now. father... Yeah, I'm going to take a whole van load of people up there. Oh, great. Um, and my father's got a sister in Prague, so I would like one of those books. Oh, okay. Well, be sure to call in right away. So, in fact, after we're done, you can call in if you want and get uh, uh, get okay. one, because I, I just let it open. Whoever will may come, and they can get as many as they want. If somebody's got a bunch of Czech friends. They might get five books, so I want you to get yours. In fact, at, at the break, maybe I'll just run in and say, hey, save one for Tim's up, because he's calling in. There you go. All right, Thank Tim. Thank you so much. All right. Thank great. you. You're welcome, and good talking to you, brother. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go to break, and I'll give the message uh, about Tim's book, and then I'll be back with more calls on Stand to Reason. Would you like a Stand to Reason speaker to speak at your church or event? Greg, Allen, Tim, John, and I, Robbie Lashua, are available both in person and online. Just email booking at str.org to schedule us today. We can address a wide array of topics, from bioethics, gender issues and science, to theology, philosophy, and how to respond to other worldviews, all from a biblical perspective. Whether it's a Sunday sermon, Zoom conference, or YouTube live event, our skilled and engaging speakers can be there, either physically or virtually, with the goal of equipping Christians to effectively influence the culture for Christ. To read our bios and learn more about the topics we cover, visit str.org. Then email booking at str.org to schedule Greg, Alan, Tim, John, or me, Robbie, today. Friends, if you like this broadcast, I know you'll love Hashtag STRask. It's our shorter 20-minute podcast where I am paired with the wonderful Amy Hall, and together we answer the questions you send us on Twitter. Hashtag STRask is released twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, and it's only about 20 minutes long, so it's perfect to listen to on your morning jog or while driving around running errands or cleaning your garage or just plain loafing at home. Amy and I tackle your questions on theology and ethics and culture and lots more, offering our insight on the questions you're asking or the challenges you face. You can listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your own shows. Just remember, send us your questions on Twitter 
using the name of the podcast, hashtag STRask. That's hashtag STRask. All right, final hour, a rather <laughs> final segment this hour. I'm going to go to Jason in California here in a moment, but Jason is thinking, does he really think it'll feel like an hour to talk to me for 10 minutes? I don't know. Well, let's talk to Jason and see what he thinks. Jason, sorry about that mistake. <laughs> Hello, Greg. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. What's up? I have a moral question for you. All right. I, I moonlight as an Uber driver, and I've been contemplating whether or not I bear any moral culpability for transporting people to do sinful things, particularly when I know they're going to do sinful things. And what occasioned this was a news story that you may or may not have heard about maybe a year or two ago of an Uber driver who had picked up a girl. And soon afterwards, he realized that she was going to a Planned Parenthood and was going to abort her baby. And he was against abortion. He felt that if he took her to that destination, that he would be morally culpable, you know, for the abortion. So he stopped the ride, told her she had to get out. And, of course, Uber ended up firing him for that. And my initial thought, you know, being a fellow Uber driver, is like, what would I do in that situation? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well... You know, he's he has a job to do. He's not morally responsible for what she does once she arrives at her destination. His job is just to take people to and fro. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any more than I'm responsible for what Target does with my money after I buy something at Target. Right. I know that they're going to spend some of that money on things that I would consider evil, but I'm not morally culpable for how they spend my money after I give it to them. Correct. So that was my initial thought. You know, he should have the freedom of conscience to do what he did, but mm-hmm. I didn't think that it was necessary. And yeah. then I thought, what if that same girl had told me that she had a gun and was on the way to kill her boyfriend because she found out he was cheating? Mm-hmm. Would I have completed that ride or would I have stopped and said, no, I don't want to have any part with this and felt that I would be, you know, bear some of the moral culpability if I dropped her off and then she kills the guy. Mm-hmm. And at that, in that situation, I felt like I would be morally culpable but of course, the born are just as, you know, they have the same moral value as the unborn. So right. if it would be wrong in one, it would be wrong in the other. Right, right. So, <laughs> it's a very, it's a, well, it's a very good question. And I think that you've, you've hit all the right markers. So my, it's hat tip, hat tip to you. But I, I do think this is a challenging question, especially when you consider the alternative. Um, and uh, generally speaking, if people who are going, if if it's a sin, if one participates in the sin uh, of immoral people by transporting them to some place where they're going to do something immoral, well, I mean that would be just about every passenger it, at one level or another is going somewhere and will end up doing something immoral, even yours truly, you know, whatever that is, thoughts or whatever. So, um, but I do think that it's definitely clear to me how it could feel different when you're talking about an abortion clinic or especially the parallel if she's got a gun and she's going to kill her boyfriend. Now, um, (laughs) the reason I'm balking a little bit is because it seems very clear that 
um, if you if you have a woman with a gun who has this intention, stopping the car and not letting her do it is the right thing to do, and you're going to get supported by everybody. Okay, if you if you do the same thing with a person who's going to Planned Parenthood to get an abortion, uh, well, she's going to get the abortion one way or another, whether you drive her or somebody else drives her. Um, and and then by stopping, you're going to lose your job, you know, or or something. I don't know. You can I don't know if there's any other alternative, but uh, this is where if it were me, I'd want to say I'm not going to drive you any far, farther if this is what I know you're going to do. I will call another Uber driver that will show up right here, and I will pay your fare or whatever. It doesn't matter. No, you don't want to do that. But I, I'm just trying to trying to um, make the circumstance such that um, that you can protect your job without participating in this thing that you think is deeply immoral. Now, I I I think a driver, and I don't know what happened to the other Uber driver. But I think that they would have a legitimate concern uh, or a case to take against Uber and say, look, it, this is a violation of my religious uh, uh, convictions. And had I known this was the case, I wouldn't have taken this ride. Somebody else could have done it. But I have, I have a right to say I'm not going to drive this person to do that thing. What if they were a drug dealer? And the the issue isn't whether it well drug dealing is illegal and abortions are legal. That's not the issue. The issue is about your personal conscience, and so there ought to be latitude for that. But not but you know, it, right. you can't expect Uber to give you that latitude. And this is where you're going to have to count the cost. Now, some people may may not feel complicit in that in that behavior that follows the Uber ride if they give the ride. And this is, a, and you mentioned this too, there's a matter of personal conscience that weighs in, that is a factors in here. But um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a challenging situation. Let me just put it that way. And, uh, and when in doubt, don't do it. Don't do the thing that would violate your conscience. Th- this kind of circumstance is actually, I, I suspect, pretty rare. But uh, nevertheless, it did happen once. And in principle, I think it'd be, you know, yeah. you know, th- there's there are a broader range of things that are involved here. I, 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 but I don't think it's, you know, it's hard to imagine anything else. So you, you, wait a minute, hold the car, we're going to rob that bank, and, and uh, just keep the meter running. You know, obviously, you're not going to participate in that. You won't be required to. Nobody's going to ask you to do that. Um, but uh, in, what, what if you went to, they took you to a, a, a bunch of men to a gentleman's club, so-called, a strip joint. Okay, would right. you would you drop them off and then let them, you know, deal with that? I, in my case, if I were the driver, I wouldn't push them out of the car because the place they were going to is a strip joint, even though what they were doing is not right. I guess a lot depends on the gravity of it, too. So, uh, you know, may, what I'm doing is knocking a couple things around here, uh, aspects of this, and you thought this through pretty well. But um, it, it's 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 uh, it's hard to say what the clear cut answer is. It kind of depends on the circumstances. I guess I would say no 
to the abortion clinic, but I, I, I would be a bit unsettled or miffed by the strip club, but I would, wouldn't, if guys just said, yeah, we're on our way to the strip club, I wouldn't, you know, say get out of the car. Yeah, and I, I agree the gravity of it does seem to factor in, but then it seems like if if you bear a moral responsibility for taking them to Planned Parenthood for an abortion, it's like if driving somehow makes you participate in their behavior, then how can we say that driving them to a strip club right. doesn't make you somehow participate? Yeah, to in be the consistent. What's yeah. the what's the principle that would distinguish one from the other, mm-hmm. other than you know our assessment of the gravity of the sin that they're going mm-hmm. to commit? Well, but it, what what you could do, I mean, this is like the problem of heaps, and I just got about 10 more seconds, but it's like, you know, you can look at extremes and know the right thing for the extreme, but it's harder to tell where the middle ground is where one moves over. Maybe they're going to to um, watch an X-rated movie or something like that, you know, or, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's just this is where a person has to decide with the best judgment they have the appropriate thing to do, and I guess that's... That's where we'll have to leave it. So I hope that helps, Jason. It's a tough one. But uh, thank you for the call. And I think you've you've done some really good thinking even before you called. Good for you. All right, friends, that's it for this hour. Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason. Give them heaven. Bye-bye.